Welcome to the Trend Detection Podcast, powered by Sensei, an industry leader in using AI to drive scalable and sustainable asset performance and reliability. In part two of our series, looking ahead at what's in store for manufacturers in 2022, I'm joined again by Jim Davison and Fahim Khan from Make UK. In the final episode of this series, we discuss the growing importance of technology in manufacturing and whether manufacturers see servitization as a big opportunity in 2022. Hope you enjoy it. I wanted to sort of move on, um, shift the sort of conversation a little bit towards technology, because I know that was something Fahim again mentioned earlier, which will be, I know you said green technology specifically, but so maybe it's a question more for Jim, but uh, so we've seen technology such as 5G, and I've seen on your website, there's a lot of talk about 5G. And from our point of view, say a Sensei point of view, Industry 4.0, and I was just wondering, it, it's probably, well, clearly it's, it's having a transformative effect already on manufacturing, but how is that going to look moving into 2022 and, and beyond, I guess, as well? So I think one of the, you know, there, there is a recognition that, you know, because of this labour shortage and the fact that there will not be a quick fix for some of those issues, you know, to train the next generation takes four or five years. Um, the reality is far more organisations are open to investing um, in, in capital um, equipment. Uh, and a fundamental part of that is also how can they, how can they make sure that those uh, those that equipment and the systems that manage and organize uh, the production processes are far more digitally connected. Um, you know, if, it's a cliche, but if you can measure it, you, you can improve it. If you can't measure it, then, you know, hey, you're never going to make uh, drive change through your business. So I actually don't think that you can segment or separate digital technologies and how they will transform not only manufactured products, but also the, the way that we manage and manufacture within a factory and the supply chain is is how organizations are going to tackle some of these future challenges you know utilizing um uh, technical solutions will drive a lot of the green improvements that we've we've sort of spoken about so so i think they're almost uh, inexorably linked and actually it will be digital capabilities that will unlock some of those features you know if you can measure things in real time um, and then display information, and I, I use the word information rather than data, so that you know if you're if you're managing a, a factory, you have a dashboard that can tell you, you know, bang, are we are we are we operating at the level that we need to? Are we operating at the efficiencies that we need to? Are we operating at the the um, uh, levels of quality and yield that we need to? Is really really important because you need to capture those changes as, as a process or a product drifts. Um, you need to spot that at the earliest opportunity so you can minimize risk, uh, sorry, um, minimize waste. You can minimize um, inefficiencies within a production process. You can make sure that you make exactly the right quantity of, of goods that you're looking to make rather than the traditional approach of batches um, just because that was efficient based on the on the um, production processes that you, you deployed. So, yeah, I, 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 I see that as being fundamental. Faheen, no doubt you've got some good observations there as well. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think 
um, it's underestimated sometimes by maybe the manufacturing community, what the, especially those who are yet to adopt technologies, actually, what are the benefits of doing so? I and mean, we, we actually monitor the, the kind of development of that journey uh, every couple of years. We see what, what, what stage businesses are in terms of their adoption, digital adoption journey. Um, we have this survey that we call, I think it was, it used to be called the innovation monitor, but this year we called it something else. It was like the industry port 4.0 um, fat card. But there's a particular question on that um, that we do every two years or so where it says there are four stages of digital adoption. We're going from preconception, conception, evolution and revolution. And I'm not going to go into the details exactly what that means, but essentially this the spectrum is from doing nothing about digitalization to actually having adopted digitalization, digital techniques and seeing benefits from that um, from that adoption. And we've seen that percentage of manufacturers doing reaching that revolution stage, which is the ideal um, stage that you want to be in, um, or at least it should be the goal for a business who's taking undertaking these um, decisions. At 2018, it was about 4% of manufacturers that was at revolution stage. Um, in 2021, we have that figure go up to about 23% now. So not as high as we would like to see, but it's a significant jump in two years. And I think we mentioned this earlier, but the pandemic actually accelerated a lot of these plans, which enabled businesses to actually jump much faster into um, that kind of revolution stage. And so we're very pleased to see that that is moving in the right direction. And we we credit that to obviously businesses working with Make UK, but also programs like Made Smarter that has uh, enabled a lot of businesses to adopt technologies. The only thing I would add is actually something that I learned from doing a bit of research recently. So we published a report on, on SMEs and scale-ups and manufacturing um, just on this, just, just like a couple of weeks, a couple of days ago. And uh, one of the case studies we've had for that report was about a, a new startup manufacturer. So what we've seen is it's very difficult to start up a new manufacturing business because the capital required to access land, a factory, all these things that you need, it's, it's almost uh, immense for a new entrepreneur who may not have the finance capital needed to do that. But technology has changed that a little bit. Uh, my discussion with this, this manufacturer who's, who's, who describes themselves as a design manufacturing business because they couldn't access a factory, they didn't have the capital to do that. What they did is they bought themselves a 3D printer. They bought themselves a 3D printer in their bedroom and they started designing products in, 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 in the comfort of their own home. And once they were able to produce their own prototypes, they were able to go and meet with suppliers in the UK who already had access to production lines and facilities that could make those products for them. Um, and that shows you how technology has massively reduced the entry barriers for businesses. So if new people wanted to start businesses manufacturing, they are more easily able to do that now than they were before. And that is a credited to the advancement of technology and the fact that technology itself becomes cheaper over time and makes it more accessible to people. And we're you know, very much looking forward to see what this business does, but also any new if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking about starting a manufacturing business, know that it's probably not as hard as you think it is. No, and I think I think that's a really important point. Because I know we were saying earlier that a lot of people aren't aware of manufacturing in the UK. It's just maybe myself included in that. But it's stories like that that should be highlighted more to inspire the next generation. Because, yeah, just, yeah, because... um yeah, I think, I think that's just a really inspiring story, really. So, um, no, brilliant. Um, so I was going to, uh, again, on technology side, I know, Jim, you've worked with us at Sensai on a lot of different projects, including a recent one actually around sustainability um, in manufacturing. Um, you provide some really good insights. But So I wanted to know what the where are we at 
with predictive maintenance admit what's your feeling from members is it something on their minds is it are they still unaware of it or hopefully they're aware of it but maybe um culturally maybe not ready for it what's your what's your sort of feelings on that particularly i think it depends on the type of you know manufacturing is is a very broad very broad <laughs> church and it is <laughs> com- companies and and the, the kind of capital and machinery that they deploy uh can be very different um but definitely for a, for a manufacturer that is heavily dependent on the efficient operation of of machinery um you know maintenance activities are absolutely critical. Um, if I think back to the days when I was responsible for, for running a, a manufacturing business, um, the absolute worst thing was when you had a, f- a very full order book and you needed to run your equipment flat out for months, the last thing you wanted was an unexpected breakdown. Now I could cope with I could cope with um, you know planned downtime. I could cope with a machine that I knew was going to be offline for two hours on a given day. Um, you know you could plan around that. The absolute worst is that unexpected failure. Um, uh, when I did when 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 the organisation that I was working in got into making sure that we improved the uptime of our machinery, we had to do that by individuals measuring vibrations by hand, um, by temperatures by hand, and literally physically walking around a factory to, to identify um, equipment that was starting to uh, exhibit um, you know, suboptimal operations so that we could change those parts when we needed to, rather than sticking to the manufacturer's suggested change period that was you know, always going to be long before the part was actually going to wear out because they never wanted to get warranty claims for bits that failed um, during their sort of... Uh, their guaranteed lifespans um so you know i i firsthand have experienced the importance of of doing that and and i'm talking about an operation that i left sort of 15 years ago um so i look at the the current solutions for that and the kind of sensing that you can have with wireless connections that means that you can gather so much more information efficiently and then if you plug that into a, a system that is capable of of managing uh you know effectively how when and what you should be doing on your equipment to make sure that you uh you minimize unnecessary downtime but you make sure you avoid those uh, calamitous failures um that that is amazing and it will drive up not only the the efficiency of the equipment so it will make sure that you are able able to make the parts as fast as the machinery should be able to deliver it for you but also at the quality standards that you you need to um, be producing uh consistently um so it, it, it's massively important to to lots of industries um some of the obvious ones are um you know very high volume fast manu- fast uh, moving consumer goods food manufacturing actually is incredibly well uh connected digitally and utilizing all kinds of capabilities to to make sure that uh plant and equipment is optimized car factories uh you know ongoing Continuous processes, again, they tend to be the uh, industries that, that are furthest down this line. Um, where you get sort of not fully connected machines that aren't necessarily utilised hard all the time, then I would say the adoption of some of these, these concepts is, is, is not as mature. But um, for me, it's fundamental. You know, if you, if you really are going to lean, lean out your manufacturing process and green your manufacturing process, then having that real-time information 
uh, and the ability to to take proactive steps to make sure that your your, your plant is is optimized is is absolutely critical yeah and obviously keep yeah keeping um the factory running like you said is is absolutely key um yeah the, the worst thing I, I can remember was you know we, we'd have machines that should have packed parts one a second and you'd go and see it and it'd be running and packing one every three seconds and you know you'd say well hang on a minute what's what's going on with this guys are oh, we slowed the machine down because fundamentally there was a problem with it and rather than fix and address the problem the guys would naturally just slow it down so that you know it was running so i haven't got an issue well i have because we're we're down to a third of the capacity that we should have been able to produce in a given day so yeah there is there are some some simple behaviors that that you know we we tend to find workarounds um you know in, in processes that aren't necessarily under full visibility and, and uh, full control if that makes sense yeah that's actually a new um that's a new one on me i haven't heard of that before in my sort of limited time in this sort of manufacturing sort of industry or in the world world of manufacturing yeah actually slowing down the machine is a <laughs> i'll say a solution but at least a, st- a sticking plaster might be the that's, i guess the right a, analogy for that that's a that's a good way of um describing it you're absolutely right it was a sticking plaster so keep keep the machine running till till i go off shift and then it's someone else's problem <laughs> oh god that can never be that can never be a good thing um no. <laughs> uh, I, I also i wanted to just to touch on a subject that's been so it's something we're hearing more and more about at the minute um and i'm obviously interested to hear it, whether it's the case with you, you you both as well but so we're hearing a lot about servitization so the offering of services so not not just selling products, but actually offering services to end customers. On top of that, I'm just interested to hear your thoughts. Is there is that something you're hearing from members that, Jim, I guess, that um, is something that's going to be a big concern or a big um, opportunity, actually, let's say, for manufacturers? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, to, to, if, if you're still manufacturing goods and, and services or products in, in the UK, you have to be either very, very good at that or have add some real value to your customers um, because the reality is if you just go for lowest price, yeah, you probably wouldn't manufacture a, a, an item in the UK. Um, the reality is, uh, you know, I can think of a, a number of companies that have taken this concept on board. One is a one is a subcontract electronics manufacturer. So rather than just making one item, you know, one board, and then selling that to their customer, actually what they've managed to do is, is bring in uh, assembly, so they've actually um, got to the point where they're, they're actually assembling the uh, item for, for their customers. So they're offering the assembly capability. They're also offering warehousing and stock management of those components uh, on, for their customer. But as far as the customer's customers, they think items are being shipped directly from, from, from their supplier, if that makes sense, not the subcontractor. Uh, and they're managing that supply chain. So, so yeah, as and when... A customer order comes in, it goes to the subcontractor, they fulfill the order, they dispatch it. Uh, it looks as if it's come from that factory. It's got dispatch notes you know, with, with, the, um, with the supplier's details, not the subcontractor's details. And for me, that's one simple example of a, you know, a small, medium-sized firm that's actually taken on board this concept, identified where and how they can wrap some service around what otherwise would be a single board or a single component uh, yeah, job for them into something that's far more strategic to their, to their customer, which means that it's far harder to displace that subcontractor than it would be if they were just competing you know, 
for X number of widgets on a price basis or a, or a, uh, or a turnaround basis. I think there's some interesting developments with um, machinery suppliers. So rather than a company selling me uh, for X hundred thousand pounds, a piece of machinery, actually they get leased and it's leased on the basis of X number of packs per hour. And you're, you're charged per pack, if that makes sense. Yep. But the, the benefit for the, um, for the, for the company that utilizes the machinery is you don't have to, you don't have that massive capital outlay up front. Uh, also the supplier is responsible for maintaining the, um, the performance of that machine as well. Um, so that for me, that's a really interesting example. And it, and it, and, and packaging firms and packaging supplier or packaging machinery suppliers have been making roads into, into that market. Uh, the obvious example is Rolls-Royce selling power by the hour. Um, so yeah, airlines don't own the engines that sit on the under the wings of their of their machinery. That's that's sold by GE and Rolls-Royce uh, as power by the hour. Um, yeah, I, I think there's going to be more and more of that. Um, just because you have to add that value, you have to be a, a strategic part of, of your your customers. Um, infrastructure and supply chain and the more that you can you can you can um add value to that customer the the, the better that relationship is and actually the more lucrative that that uh, opportunity is to you as an organization as well so it, it's definitely happening i think we'll see more of it um as manufacturing sort of adjusts and change changes looking forward yeah i don't know if you've got any sort of observations or thoughts um that was really interesting jim i actually learned some stuff there as well i think i didn't know that um yeah, that's, so that's quite curious um yeah i mean I, I think from what i understood from that i mean look the the idea of ha- including services for manufacturers is not a necessarily a new um element of the production but like from what i understand it's, it's, it's becoming more bespoke to the end consumers um, they're becoming more innovative in, in the types of services that they're producing. And I think people, for, let, for, for, for the average consumer, they often don't realize how much of a service they are already receiving. I mean, you know, you can describe Apple as a manufacturer of products as well. And then you include things like Apple Care or warranties. And that itself is the, the service element of manufactured goods. And I think people often um, don't realize that actually they are adopting a service uh, and manufacturers have been including these elements for many, many years now. It's just part of the trade. Um, it's interesting that something that came up this year, um, just after we left, after the UK's exit from the EU, um, the EU in- introduced a new regulation or policy that or something called the right to repair manufacturers. Um, so actually um, products like washing machines, dishwashers, cookers, that sort of thing, uh, manufacturers would have to re- provide a longer guarantees in the EU um, for those types of products and UK manufacturers, if they were to try to sell those types of products into the EU would also be able to, uh, would have to also comply with the right to repair. So that's been quite interesting. I've not heard any issues with, from our members around that problem. It just, all it just means is that you have to give a longer time service so that consumers who buy a washing machine can maintain that product for a much longer period of time and it's better for them and but it also allows the manufacturer to include a new element into their packages as well um so yeah i think uh, as jim says i very much echo what he said in that in terms of it's going to grow i think it's becoming more servitized but we will also never see the end of the actual physical physical side as well i think it's just going to be the way we deliver these products will change um, a little bit over time yeah and just just to add on to that actually we've 
So our involvement sort of predictive maintenance is actually to take that service level beyond that. So if you're offering these guarantees, it just gives more another level of guarantee, I guess, if you can predict some of these breakdowns in advance. You can actually be proactive with your um, end customers, you know, rather than reactive, like, like we were saying before, you know, breakdowns. No one wants a breakdown, something not working, whether it's in a factory or, or a washing machine, but they, if it can be a more proactive service, then that can only be a better customer experience. And from that, I guess, as another layer is increased revenue as well. Yeah, and no, I, I think it would it will um, it will drive organisations to design things differently. And what I mean by that is that things will be far more um, uh, robust, more capable, uh, be able to be upgraded so their their lifetime extend. And, it, and it's by introducing some of those uh, changes that actually will get away from this throwaway um, kind of concept of you know you have a you have a washing machine for five years and then you know it's not economical to 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 repair it so you have to buy the next version i think all of those things will be challenged just by things like uh, net zero and sustainability agendas and and customers will will demand um, different things and we'll see that with you know with with uh with with um, b2b type uh, machinery transactions as well yeah that that reliability that repeatability that capability of that equipment will be I think will be will get stronger because yeah customers will demand it and if you put your name to a piece of kit being able to deliver x thousand parts uh, every 24 hours for 15 years then potentially that's different to just selling it to to me and then expecting me to deal with uh, sort of the ongoing upkeep and maintenance um, yeah. so yeah i think it's really interesting Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I see so we're coming to sort of the end now, but what I wanted to do is a couple of things. So I wanted to give, um, obviously we talked about the report or survey coming out in January for Heen. So if you, I mean, we're talking now, it's not been released, but we'll include it in our show notes if obviously you're you're happy to do that. But where can where can they download it from? Yeah, of course. Um, that report, when it is available and any other report I've mentioned, um, today can all be downloaded from our website you just um may have to navigate that a little bit but uh, you will find it there available to you and, and also from jim's perspective i mean if um wanted to find out more information about make uk what would be the best way to to go about that to keep up to date um so there's a number of ways we're often posting um things on linkedin um so there's often uh, links to things like reports or um, events that make UK are publishing or industry insights. Um, so yeah, link link with me via LinkedIn, and then we can we can either link you to a resource or you know, yeah, I'd love to talk to people to uh, to to learn more about make UK and 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 their manufacturing businesses. Fantastic. Well, thank you both for your time today. It's been really great to chat. That was the second and final part of our series looking ahead at what's to come in manufacturing in 2022. Hope you enjoyed it. It's encouraging to hear that digitalization is high on the agenda for manufacturers in 2022, but not just for the big players. For Heen's example of an SME creating their products using a 3D printer in their bedroom before scaling up is nothing short of inspiring and just shows how digital can reduce or even remove the barriers of entry to a market.
Please subscribe via your favorite podcast provider if you'd like to be notified about future series and episodes. And let us know your feedback by leaving us a review. You can find out more about how Sensei can reduce unplanned downtime and contribute towards improved sustainability within your manufacturing plants by visiting Sensei.io. Thanks a lot for listening.